For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. The Super Bowl is five days from this recording, uh, and the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals are the last team standing in what has proven to be an incredibly unpredictable postseason. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for NFL football action. With a new website and even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website Bets Online or use your phone to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. Episode 66 of the podcast welcomes Coach Cliff Ashley, special teams coach at Choate Prep School and the Boston Renegades. Cliff, it is an honor to have you on the show. How are you doing? doing great. I'm fired up to uh, be here, get to talk a little bit of football and talk about the uh, two programs that I'm involved with that I am always happy to talk about. So I met Cliff uh, via Zoom, via Twitter, however you want to get it. But we we look at football a little differently than most. I think we like to think objectively. We want to be able to explain to our players the why and uh, science and math and all these things come into play if you want to be objective. You have to show evidence that what you're saying is true beyond the shadow of a doubt. And trajectory, believe it or not, field goal trajectory more specifically, is what really has brought Cliff and I together. Um, I'm in the midst of a patent called a field goal trainer, and its emphasis is um, accounting for trajectory uh, wherever you are, a sideline in training. Um, in preparation to honor the fact that you have to hit this ball over a certain height um, at a certain distance point uh, relative to the level of play. So Cliff has been a mentor, a friend, an advocate for what it is that that I'm doing here with this field goal trainer. And he's actually got a study of his own we're going to talk about today. Um, I'd like to first begin uh, by having you inform the audience about the organizations you work with. They're very different, but they're very similar at the same time. Choate and the Renegades, um, they're just interesting. Uh, and it intrigued me initially how you were involved in such differing organizations, but you kind of explained to me how these things have come together to make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So could you give a little background of both? Okay, so I'm just going to go in alphabetical order here. So Choate is Choate Rosemary Hall. It's a New England prep school. It's uh, located in Wallingford, Connecticut. And 
It is one of the most elite academic and rigorous institutions, um, prep schools in the country. If you Google best prep schools in the country, you're going to find Choate in that list. We also have been incredibly lucky in the last several years to have a great coaching staff led by our head coach, LJ Spinato. And in the last seven, eight years, we had a run where we were five-time undefeated New England champs with a 49-0 record at one point. We just finished our fall season with a uh, bowl win, um, so that's always real nice. Um, and it's, it's a tremendous institution. It's obviously a prep school, so kids are going there to try to prepare themselves for their best opportunities in college, both academically and in football. Um, I've been with them since the fall of 2017, started off as their kicking coach and then transitioned to special teams coordinator a couple of years later and very much enjoy working there on a daily basis. The Boston Renegades I've been with for a little bit longer. The Renegades started in 2015 um, and they are the current reigning three-time defending national champions of the Women's Football Alliance. It is a league of about 65 teams nationwide of women. It is, they don't get paid to play. So in that respect, it's not technically professional, but it is by far the highest level of football available in the country. And since the women's football is actually an international sport now, and the United States tends to win the international competitions, it's the best level of women's football on the planet. Um, there are, a couple different leagues and the Renegades are part of the largest one and the currently longest operating one. And I came on board with them um, as their kicking coach. And then again, transitioned to special teams coordinator. I've been involved in women's football in general though, since 2006 when I started with the new England intensity. Um, so yeah, women's football, high school prep football, very different types of situations, but they are connected by a common culture of very, very supportive, very knowledgeable staffs that create a very supportive uh, family culture that is real tangible, but is also driven by a pursuit of excellence on a daily basis where we don't necessarily at either team emphasize the importance of winning a championship or even necessarily of winning a game. It is all about be the best that you can on this play. Uh, LJ has the thing that we talk about, the rule of 63 in football. Football play lasts for about six seconds. During that six seconds, see if you can make three great efforts and then you'll win the down. You put enough rules of 63 and win enough downs together, you win a game. You put enough games together, you win a championship. Renegades have a similar number. We talk about getting 1% better every day. So we have a culture of support and community and a real family feeling, but both of them are all about attention to detail, be excellent in the details, and the results will follow. Wow. A, a lot to unpack there. I'll start with, I, I love that you are on the polar opposite sides of things in football, meaning A, you coach boys, B, you coach girls. A, you coach women. Women. women sorry they have to be at least 18 sure, sure. women correct <laughs> i'll correct myself women uh, and be and be the uh the boy side of things it's an emergence it's like going and transitioning to ultimately like a much higher level mm -hmm. out of high school right and and on the other side the flip side is the women are at the end of their careers and they're trying to make the most of what they have left they're trying to go as high as they can because they're about to have to retire life happens time happens yep I think that's I think it's fascinating and it, it probably keeps you very honest because 
they're relatable, right? You, you, you probably draw from each and say, well, there's, there's a passion in the start of the story of transition to college equally as much as there's a passion that re- in the realization that I might not have a year left. Yep. The, the thing that is, that keeps me going is that there is a, there is a humbling level of dedication at both of those places. And it makes me want to be my best coach on a daily basis just to honor that level of commitment that I am seeing from my players and to do anything less than my level best on a constant basis for both of those teams would be to disrespect and dishonor the level of commitment and drive that I am seeing equally strongly in both those places. Agreed. So as I mentioned to start this, that you and I have only been, you know, associates, friends, whatever you want to call it for, for a few months. And it was a shared passion, um, science related, football related, and more specifically field goal trajectory. You know, I, I was collecting like film samples for this, you know, differing levels of kids and seeing like where we could optimize this ball and flight off the foot, all these things, you know, considering the pressure the D line gave in a field goal block setting uh, and, and, you saw these videos and um, you had kind of presented to me off air a study that you, that you titled, I believe it's called obstacles, options, uh, improving place, kicking launch angles. It fascinated me. You know, I read it and I get a lot of things, you know, in my DMS and my email and whatever Um, I'm accessible in a lot of places. And most things I get, I can tell right away that there wasn't a lot of thought put in. It was an idea. And they made it look pretty, but there wasn't a refinement. There wasn't a, a, enough failure. And we're going to talk about that later. Um, I think there's a lot of brilliant thoughts floating around in the world, but I don't think people realize and approach it in the scientific method to where, yes, the brilliant thought is probably the end result, but there's, there's a process in which we have to find the best way of presenting this end result and, and sift out all of the, 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 the untruths, if you will. Um, so I'd like you to share a little bit more about your study and how this can help uh, the specialist community. Got it. So uh, I think it's worth noting that I come from an originally, I mean, I was an athlete, I was soccer, ice hockey, lacrosse player, um, but my fundamental educational background is in sports medicine. And in sports medicine, it is a scientific thing. And Ideally, the best way to practice medicine in general is evidence-based medicine and using science to constantly evaluate how are you doing what you're doing and is it the best way and using the scientific process of observing results, forming hypotheses, testing those hypotheses, discarding false hypotheses which is just as effective as finding the truth is discarding the falsehoods. And the other part of that sports medicine background is that I am constantly trying to find ways of ideally treating athletes using feedback so that the athletes can progress in their rehab from injury as quickly as possible. And that's very much what coaching is all about, is finding a way for the athlete to reach their best, self, their best selves. I try to employ a scientific background to that saying, okay, there's all this received wisdom of how do you do these things? And I really want to take the scientific approach to, is that really the best way to do it? What is the best angle to make a kick? What is the best place to make contact on the ball to achieve that trajectory? 
And in terms of the trajectory study, um, very early on, I realized that a lot of kickers that I was dealing with were coming from soccer backgrounds and soccer players, you know, they tend to not necessarily hit the ball real high in the air because, you know, it's hard to trap a ball coming from real high. So they soccer players tend to hit on lower trajectories. So when you're teaching a soccer player to be a football kicker, you have to inform them about the fact that there are some very large people only seven yards away on most of your kicks who are coming to ruin your day. And so you have to find a way really quickly to teach them about how to clear that defensive line. So very early on, I built an obstacle and I sort of, I guesstimated how high it needed to be and where it needed to be. But I very quickly realized I need to do some math. I need to do some studying and figure out how high an obstacle do I really need to have? How wide should that obstacle be? How far away from the kicker should that obstacle be to promote what is necessary? And I very quickly developed an obstacle which was meant to reinforce a minimum trajectory that was necessary to successfully clear the defensive line. Since then, I have worked on if somebody does not have the PVC that they're building this portable thing that I have together, what if they only have a lacrosse net on the field? What if they only have a soccer net on the field? What distance away from the kick do you need to place those objects of different height to promote the same launch angles? And again, that is promoting sort of the minimum launch angle. There's also a difference between the minimum launch angle necessary to clear a defensive line successfully and the optimal launch angle necessary to get the longest possible kick and the most bang for your buck. And science tells us that in a ballistic trajectory, a launch angle of 45 degrees is optimal, but that's also in a situation where there's no air resistance and, you know, that launch angle changes slightly. So I try to take the approach of how do I take the science of what is optimal, what is a true degree, and how do I then translate it into an easily applicable situation for a kicker so they can get their own feedback as they're kicking for is this kick high enough to clear the defensive line is this kick high enough to maximize my distance is this kick too high and i'm actually going to lose distance because i'm getting too much and so i'm working on a variety of things that promote both of those at once so cliff is much smarter as you can tell than me <clears throat> um, i don't think that's true <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do i'm gonna bring this down to a level so I think of Cliff often now because I am on a field that it's not turf. Uh, it's oftentimes not mowed very well. Um, and the fugal uprights are 23 and a half right. feet. And sometimes I have actually, oftentimes I had division one and NFL specialists that fly a long way to see me. So I have to confide in people like Cliff because I have lacrosse nets, right? I have six foot soccer goals. I have eight foot soccer goals. I have high school uprights, but I have all these objects that are fixed and that they're always there for me and readily available to use as resources. If in fact I can use them and apply them in a football setting. In a way that's accurate to what your goal is. Absolutely. Because we have to simulate if we want to be the best at whatever it is we want to be great in, we have to simulate in training what the expectations are. And let me draw a parallel to academics. Um, there, there's a purpose for, for a PSAT because they're going to put you in an environment that you're going to be taking a test in. They're going to give you 
the sections in the same time intervals with the same breaks and, and all these options and the same rules, pencils, no cell phones, in hopes that you can simulate the environment. So when you take this test for real, that you're more successful because these, these new things like rules and, and all these, whatever parameters, if you will, um, they're already there in your head. You're expecting these things. And I think that success is all about preparation. Yes. I think that, I think, I think the most successful people in the world and whatever we're talking about AI to football, it's people that have forecasted what's going to happen, what may happen, what can and will happen, what is unlikely to happen. But if in case it does, I'm prepared for these people have really accounted for everything and anything in between. And I think that you think like that. And I think that's why that you brought success to the organizations you're involved with. Mm-hmm. I want to, to with you know, I spun a positive thing, but here we go. Here's a tougher question for you. With all that being said, with with how you think critically and try to to to, to prepare your athletes for success, um, you mentioned science, you mentioned football, and you talked about failure. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, failure is a, in my opinion, is an essential thing for everything in life. I think it's it's how we grow, it's how we learn, it's the best feedback. Can you elaborate on this thought of failure and why it is essential in all things? So, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this, actually. And, um, you know, vaccines are in the news a lot recently for a whole bunch of different reasons. And I'm not going to get into whether they're, um, you know, preferred or not or whatever. I just want to talk about the idea and the concept behind a vaccine. And the idea behind a vaccine is that you introduce a small amount of a pathogen, something that you don't want in your body and your body gets used to dealing with that pathogen. So by the time a situation happens where you are fully exposed to the disease, the vaccine has taught you how to deal with that. So I think of failure is sort of like a vaccine for, you know, for finding success in life. You have a little bit of failure, you can learn to deal with it. A little more failure, you learn to deal with it. You learn to turn the page and move on. And that's one of the great things about sports is sports give you many, many, many more opportunities to experience failure in a safe environment and to learn how to deal with that and grow from that and learn how to move successfully on from those situations. When we talk about kicking, it is almost as important to do some kicks that are bad as it is to do some kicks that are good. So you learn not only what works, but why it works and how if you change one aspect, it will bring failure. And that reinforces the importance of doing it one way so you don't do it a different way. Um, For instance, when I'm teaching kickers how to kick off for the first time, Okay. One of the most important things in a kickoff is finding your steps. So you can approach the ball on a consistent angle with a consistent rate of speed. So at the moment that you are kicking, you are at your maximum controllable velocity. If you're faster than that, you're not controllable. If you're slower than that, you're robbing yourself. And so I give those kickers a certain set of steps to work with certain back steps, certain offset. And then Once we find things that are comfortable for them, I deliberately set that aside for a moment. I'm like, okay, so if your steps are seven and four, I want you right now to do 
eight and four. And then I want you to do seven and five. And I want you to deliberately displace yourself from a successful position so that you can feel what the failure feels like and realize, yeah, that's why I'm going with what I'm doing because those other things do not work. And you don't have to take any time thinking to yourself, hey, should I do this differently? No, because you've already tried the different things. You've failed at them. You realize they don't bring you the results you want and you don't need to engage in them again. But also, if you experience failure inadvertently later, because you've explored that, you might be like, oh, I realize what I did wrong now because I deliberately went there previously and I just felt that again and I saw those results again and now I know what to fix. To know what something truly is, I think you have to realize what it's not. Yes. And I always tell my kids that. Uh, and I, you know, I taught for a dozen years in high school and I taught algebra two and English name it. I was in uh, exceptional student education where I was dealing with like learning disabilities and how to get these kids acclimated into a normal setting um, and learning how to deal with these, these setbacks, right. And, ha- and accounting for it um, and coming up with strategies to, to, to make it a little more normal for them. Yeah. And that was my favorite, obviously, because that was the coaching. Uh, and a little less teaching. <laughs> um, but my point is, is there actually a difference between the two? Well, they're, they're interchangeable. Coaching and teaching? I think I just separate the, 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 the field versus the, the classroom, right? Like, no, that's whether they, you have a whistle or not. It, it's really a, it's, I think teaching is a euphemism for coaching. Really. It's a little, it's like people would rather be called a teacher, I think, than a coach, but they, they are interchangeable, right? They're synonymous yeah. um, for sure, because they, they both require the same exact things. But my, my, my point to this was I like to know that my kids know the why. And I think if it's very cliche to say, oh, teach to the why. But if you're going to teach to the why, it can't be stopped at what is right. Right. It must it must be stated what is wrong and why. And then we go back to why it is right. And I know that's you know, that's that's pretty deep. But it is true. I think that if you want kids to buy into your philosophy or your, or, or your ways of going about something, whatever it is, I think you need to explain the reasons why you deviated from all the things that it isn't and then go back and support the reason why it is with evidence, which you mentioned earlier. Um, and I think that's the only way to really create a buy-in that is it's they're all in. You know, there, there, there's no doubt. Let's be honest. How many of us as teenagers listened exactly to what our parents said when they said, this is how you should do it. Please learn from my mistakes and do it this way. And none of us did it that way. We had to go out and we had to make our own mistakes because whether or not we fancy ourselves as, you know, visual learners, uh, audio learners, kinesthetic learners, we are all experiential learners. And many times we have to experience things for ourselves to truly ingrain those lessons. A And that's, that's the other thing about um, failure is you have to learn to deal with it so you can learn the lesson from it, Amen. learn the lesson. So then you can turn the page and put that lesson behind you with the lesson learned, but in a positive way of moving forward. So yeah, failure, very important on so many fronts. And I, I embrace the opportunity to experience failure and to make the most of that experience. It is about mindset, right? If you go in 
to the realization that I'm going to fail because it's indefinite. It's going to happen. If we, if we learn a new language, if we learn a new skill, Mm -hmm. there's going to be failure. And I think we all realize that, but it's the mindset and accepting the fact that the failure is a part of this process. I think that's the biggest disconnect is people don't really want to embrace the thought that it can and will happen. And actually the better you want to get at something, the more you're going to have to fail. Want to make some money? Consider investing in an exciting asset that's outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% for 25 years. I'm talking about art. Masterworks is a new investing app that lets you invest in blue chip paintings from icons like Picasso, Monet, Warhol, without needing millions. Over 300,000 people have already signed up. Get priority access with our unique promo. Log on to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclosures. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while online. And with all the new threats that face you today on the internet, it's more important now than ever to be sure you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about slow connection, and it starts with under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 75% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And now back to the show. The recurring theme on the show is the importance of mindset in performance. Can you offer an opinion on this? Absolutely. So every single culture has some sort of way of talking about um, staying balanced. Uh, The Buddhists talk about the middle path. People talk about balancing your chakras. Um, Coaches talk about staying on an even keel. Um, but it's all about balance. It's not getting too up. It's not getting too down. It's staying in a place where you're going to be mentally bulletproof. And it's important as a kicker, particularly um, just like it is as a pitcher in baseball or as a goalie in soccer, because you are very singled out in that moment it is critically important that your mind be in the right place. You know, if you're, if you're a, a, a lineman, you're getting to do three, four, five plays in a row. And some of those plays, you're going to have a little bit of success, a little bit of failure, but it's happening in the center of the line. And not everybody's all that educated about play in the trench. And you immediately get another chance to do it. And people aren't going to notice it that much. The kicker goes out there and you might as well have a spotlight shining right on you. And everybody thinks that they can do it better. And so you have to have the right centered approach. If you don't believe that you're going to make the kick, you probably won't. And if you believe that you will, you improve your chances to do it. Um, I counsel my kickers all the time about having the right mindset. And I try when they are, when they're going pretty good, 
and they're feeling pretty good about themselves, those are the opportunities that I take to really critically break down what's going on because their mind's in a good place. And so they're going to be receptive to, okay, let's work on this. And when they have those moments of struggle, I try to keep things much simpler and much more just uh, proactive and um, supportive. So you got to, you have to figure out as a coach where your player is in their mindset and help bring them back to their center, but slightly on the confident side of it. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about kickers is that a, a champion, well, actually a, an average athlete, let's talk about an average basketball player. Average basketball player might miss 10 shots in a row and think to themselves, oh, I can't hit anything today. A champion misses those 10 shots in a row and believes in themselves and says, hey, I'm due. <laughs> I, I can't miss the next one because I'm due. <laughs> that average basketball player make, makes 10 shots in a row and thinks, oh, I'm on a streak. I wonder how long this can last. The champion makes those 10 shots in a row and thinks, I'm bulletproof. I can't miss. And the fact is, they're both right. Sure. They're both right. If you look at a situation as a positive one and one that you can't help but succeed, you're going to make that happen. You're going to manifest that. If you look at a situation and think worrisome thoughts, that's going to be the situation as well. So I think mindset is critically important. That also feeds back into the talk about failure and the talk about things like the trajectory nets. To have success, you have to know how to quickly get out of the failure and the failure is indicated through things like obstacles that give you immediate feedback on whether you're succeeding or not. So trial, you, you try to make a kick. Result, either success or failure. Accurate feedback to yourself to know how you performed that last one feeds into mindset of learn that lesson, stay even keel, never two up, never two down, learn the lesson of that feedback, and then turn the page. Turn the page is a huge, huge line in my book with all my kickers. Turn the page, turn the page. And if you've uh, watched Ted Lasso, he talks about have the memory duration of a goldfish. It's all the same thing. Coaches say it all over the place. It's all about moving on to the next thing with a positive mindset, regardless of whether that last thing was a success or a failure stay on path, stay positive. Yeah. I think it's, it's directly related to, well, there's a lot of things it's related to directly, but mindset and the importance of it as a kicker is you mentioned earlier that a football play and Urban Meyer, I credit sometimes on the show because he was a mentor of mine uh, in my young twenties. I was able to work for an organization um, that he was affiliated with and, I'm close to Gainesville. And when he was in Gainesville, I was able to work with them in the spring and summer, his entire time there. Now I know urban's not the most popular person to talk about at the moment. And I will say, and I think we all can attest to, he is, he has a gift in coaching football. Mm -hmm. And the one thing he confided with me in is, is like, how do I not neglect my specialists? Mm -hmm. And I brought structure to his practices. Um, through through scheduling like with the same anticipation down to the five minute interval of a water break uh off ball activity on ball activity how often we're kicking off are we doing special scenarios at the end of each weekday 
to where we've had we've prepped for almost everything we can account for by Saturday morning, you know, in terms of taking two on a punt, um, onside, different variations to onside, sky kicks, all of these things. Um, and my point is that when I was in Gainesville, uh, and it, this was actually after Urban, then the specialist that stood out to me was Evan McPherson, and mm-hmm. he's now with the Bang, he's now with the Bengals. Uh, I, I met Evan his first year at, in Gainesville. He was the young puppy of the group. There was about seven guys in the field that spring day. And I was more there for my punter, Jacob Finn, my snapper, Jake Tillman. But there was this freshman. And obviously, initially, it was the ability, I mean, uh, his ball striking. But more importantly, it was the process. Yeah. He kicked less than everyone. And he was 17, 18 years old. He kicked less, but he made each kick count. Yes. Um, he moved on after he experienced success in a certain thing on the field. He's like, well, I have other things to do, so I'm going to leave on a good note. That's maturity. Um, I think oftentimes kids want to almost prove to themselves that they're human, and that's when they start failing. And then and then it turns into, let me get one more good one. Mm. But now they're, for, now they're fatigued. I don't want to go too in-depth, but I think you totally can relate to this. I, I, I do. And if I can jump in for a second, I what you're describing of him making a kick and then moving on, um, but he's also not working. I discourage my kickers constantly from having a mulligan mentality, which I think a lot of a lot of kickers slip into. A lot of kickers re- recognize that during practice, they're going to get X number of reps. And so they might not necessarily value kick number 10 because they know that 30 seconds from now, they're getting kick number 11. And they get into that mulligan mindset where it doesn't matter. I try to make it um, where I say, this kick is important. Let's concentrate on making this kick happen. And sometimes I'll tell my kickers towards the end of practice, all right, three more. And I promise you, my kickers have never kicked three times after that because I inevitably pull the plug after one or two kicks. And sometimes it's on a make and I'm like, hey, walk off with that. Put it in your back pocket and let's go home. Sometimes it's on a miss. And they're like, I can't end on that. I'm like, you don't have control during the game, whether that's the last kick you make. Why should you have it here? Count on making that kick. Learn the lesson from it. So no mulligan mentalities as kickers. Amen. You know, I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever allowed a kid because they fight you on it um but that would be a powerful thing to 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 leave the field on a miss yeah because <laughs> i unless you have zero ounce of competitive nature or pride in, in yourself you're gonna think about that miss until you get back out there and do it again yeah um and there's power to that right because that's self-reflection and that's what we want we want to critique ourselves um, with the ability to film oneself now from a cell phone with the clarity that was better than any professional company coming in and doing it when I was in college, it's, it, my, it's, it, it just blows my mind at the, the resources these kids have now. But it makes perfect sense why they're setting records, right? And why we are evolving in a positive way is because we have good coaching, we have good technology, we have good science behind this. Um, we have good supplementary activities that are supporting these things like sleep and nutrition and diet. And I think we always realize the importance of these, but when you get smarter with them, there's a direct relationship to the performance we mentioned earlier. Um, I want to end with uh, just one more question. Um, the other day you and I were on a, a pre-recording and it just, I think you just gave a really good message on this. We talked about uh, we, not me mentality. Uh, could you share um, 
the mindset of this and how it creates better teams both on and off the field? Yeah, so I think I think every coach preaches the the we not me and the fact is that different teams accept it differently. And you and I were having this conversation in conjunction with um, similarities and differences between uh, the, the prep school boys game and the adult women game. And my point was that the renegades before I started working with the renegades um, I didn't always have as many positive experiences with teams. Um, But it seems like the women players play for each other a ton like yes they want the individual glory but they are really working hard for the person next to them and one of the ways that i sort of express this is that if you were in a team meeting with a bunch of um people who weren't necessarily invested in the we not me you would say something generally like we need to get better at this and you might be talking to one person in that room and that person who doesn't have the we not me thinks yeah you're sure right they really need to do work on that because they 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 feel like they're so good at it themselves and they're not thinking about we all need you say that to the renegades in a group like we need to get better at this and even if you're only talking to one player in that room everybody in that room hears that and thinks he's talking about me i need to do my part to help that group that's one of the nice things about Choate is that Choate is probably the, the boys football team that embraces that mentality more thoroughly than any other guys team I've been with. So um, <laughs> you might chuckle and say, oh, is, is Cliff saying that the Choate football team is like a women's football team? And in fact, I am. And it's meant as a most sincere conf- compliment because they embrace that we, not me. Um, sure. But it matters when you're practicing hard, when you push yourself to do that extra rep because you want to be better for the person next to you. It matters deep in the fourth quarter where you're just getting tired and you might not have the energy, but you look at that person next to you and you realize that for that moment, you're not doing it for your own goals. You're doing it because they have their goals that they want to reach and you want to be a part of supporting them and getting there. And you dig down a little bit deeper to be better yourself for them. And everybody has had the experience where they have been maybe sick or ill and they think, no, I'm not going to go take care of this. Or you've been injured and you're like, oh, I'm not going to neglect this. I'm not going to deal with this. But you know that if you're mom, your dad, your son, daughter, your sister, or your brother was experiencing the same thing, you would tell them, hey, you have to go take care of this. So you end up being more supportive of others when they're experiencing difficulties than you do when you are yourself experiencing that difficulty. So if you're playing for yourself and you get tired, maybe you don't work that hard on that next rep or that next down. But if you're playing for the person next to you and to help support their dreams, you push yourself harder because of them. And I think that that's something that I value very, very deeply about the mindsets of both of the organizations that I'm privileged to work with. And like I said, it it keeps me coming back. I've got practice tonight from eight until 10 PM up in Boston. I won't get home until 1230 tonight. And that's, that's a drag to do, but 
I get so excited to help them achieve that and help them be a we and not a me that that's addictive, man. I can't give it up. There's so many things in life to celebrate. And when people discount sport, I think it's just an ignorance. You know, I, I used to get angry and defensive, but now I just realize that they're just not aware that it's like, it's like anything, man. I think that we, you can find a congregation, you can find a, a group at school, you can, you can do a youth group, you can do a team, but I think it's important. Like people need people. And I say it all the time on the show. And I think football has brought so much to my life. I'm getting a little emotional right now, but it really has. It's, it's so like when hearing you say that it's so, it, it, it makes me feel good. Cause I know that like, yes, there's sacrifices, but I think anything in this life that's worth it, it, it almost requires a little bit of sacrifice because it's worth it. You know, you have to go out and find these things that are worthwhile. You have to go out and set aside and allocate time for these things that are worthwhile because they're few and far between, you know, they're out there, but you've got to go and find what makes you the best version of you. And I think that you're doing that. And I have a lot of respect for people that, 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 that find their passion and enjoy their passion. And um, I hope that this, this, if, if this episode in particular does anything, I hope it motivates someone to say, I need to go out there and be more proactive. Like, I know I like certain things and I know these certain things are out there and it may, it may take a little bit of extra effort, but maybe I should do that for me. And I think they should. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm finding ways more and more to do the things I like to do uh, permissible with time. And it's really, it's, it's, it, it helps with mental health uh, and, and happiness and, Pass, all these all these positive words it really helps with and i really appreciate your message and i want to end with this if you could well i want to start by saying thank you you know you're very welcome I, I thank really, you for I having really, me on i really do appreciate your time um time is something we can't give back so so thank you there and i'd like to end with a few ways the audience could reach you um if you give me a couple if they have a follow-up question or just maybe you want to reach out and just congratulate you on the things you're doing for people. Yeah. Okay. So a few things. Um, the easiest way to probably get in touch with me and whatnot is probably through Twitter. And my particular thing is at special teams coach, but it's spelled S P E C I A L T M S C O A C H. So the word teams doesn't have any vowels in it. So at special teams coach on Twitter, or just search for Cliff Ashley on Twitter. And that that'll probably pop up. Um, you can email me at my Chote email address, which is C A S H L E Y at Chote.edu. And if you're interested in the program that Chote has, you know, for prep school kids trying to be their best, look through our website at just Chote.edu. Um, you could also contact me through the Boston Renegades. The Renegades website is bostonrenegadesfootball.org all lowercase all spelled exactly like that so bostonrenegadesfootball.org and just one final thing if you want to learn more about the boston renegades and women's football in general there is currently a tremendously good documentary which is currently hosted on hulu it just left netflix it's owned by um, espn and disney now because espn bought the rights to it but it's called born to play and it's about the desire to play football by the women of the Boston Renegades and how they feel that they were born to it 
And I am almost certain that everybody who listens to this podcast, whether they're parents, whether they're players, has felt incredibly positive impact in their life through football. And one of the reasons I work so dedicated with women's football is because I believe so strongly in the messages of football and to have those experiences be denied to half the population because of gender just seems wrong. So bring this football thing to, you know, support women, uh, watch born to play on whatever platform you can find it and, uh, you know, reach out. I'm happy to talk about either of these teams and support them any way I can. I have a girl, actually, I have two daughters. Uh, the two-year-old will be playing for you one day. The five-year-old will be on Broadway. But I'll, I will fully support both endeavors. Um, I'd like her to play fullback. Her name is uh, Leighton Jean Lundy. Anyway. Well, uh, you can send so- her up to Boston, but you realize <laughs> that there's a team in Miami. There's a team in Tampa. There's a team in Orlando. There's a team in Jacksonville. So if you want to have a shorter commute for her, she can start there and then come on up. On up to Boston. No, I, w- I want her to play with the best coach. Come on, there you go. You're, you're on the show. She's going where, where the best play. I want champions out of my out of my kids. Anyway, but uh, I get that. I, just, I get that. I thank you again. Um, yep. Thanks. I, I'm sure everyone on the show really, really appreciated this. Was this a little different than the other ones I've had? Um, but I, I just can't thank you enough. And we're, we're going to bring you back on, of course, for a little more uh, of a a focused discussion on what it is that you and I are doing on the field with science and and how to make coaching objective. But this was a purpose for people just to realize who you are, our relationship and what we're doing moving forward. So, so thank you again, please give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show and share with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions for future topics and guests, or if you have feedback for the podcast, you can reach me in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. On social media, my Instagram and Twitter handles are at, at @fourthdownu, and if you're a Facebook and LinkedIn kind of person, you can find me at Dan Space Lundy L U N D Y. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bets Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2022 is treating each of you well, and remember, in all things, give thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.